You're listening to Selfish. This is where we bring self-care and bravery together to encourage you to follow your dreams. Here's your host, your favorite selfish enthusiast, Allie Hembree-Martin. Okay, so we know sleep is important. I believe sleep is the foundation of self-care. So much is dependent on really good sleep habits. However, I had no idea the connection sleep has to so many different areas of our lives. So I loved having Molly McLaughlin on to share why sleep is a skill. Molly, I am so excited. We are getting the chance to talk and this has been a topic I've been looking forward to. So thank you so much for joining me today. Awesome. Well, thank you so much and I'm really grateful to be here. So first, just jump right in and tell us about yourself. Sure, yeah. So um, my name is Molly McLaughlin, and I created uh, the company Sleep is a Skill to help people optimize their sleep through technology, accountability, and behavioral change. Um, And I think the most important thing to know in relationship to that is that I did that to really solve my own problem with my own sleep. So this is no kind of high and mighty conversation. This was that I was one of the lowest points of my life was when I couldn't sleep for literally months on end. There are just entire stretches of entire nights with just no sleep whatsoever. Um, And it really, really shook me to the core of, um, I got to see what life was like both with sleep and without it. And the kind of background of that is that Um, As an entrepreneur living in the middle of Manhattan, I was burning the candle at both ends, you know, in my, throughout my twenties and didn't think much of my relationship to sleep, which for a long time had a lot of labels. So it was like, I'm a night owl. I'm a bad sleeper. I'm a short sleeper. I'm, you know, all of these sort of things. Um, And, but didn't correlate that my kind of declining health as in, um, I was just getting sick more often. I got the beginnings of an ulcer. I got, uh, shingles, you know, all of these Mm. things that clearly as, as it relates to one, the management of my life and my stress levels. Um, but two, what my role with my sleep was, you know, kind of, kind of playing into all that. Um, and so, but it wasn't until, I actually began um, traveling internationally uh, with my boyfriend. We were kind of testing out taking our businesses on the road. We're now digital entrepreneurs, but in the lead up to that, we were kind of testing that out. And when when that happened, um, you know, adding that jet lag into that really maladaptive sleep patterns, you know, I was going to bed pretty much as like the sun was rising and then trying to add in time changes and stress and taking businesses on the road, I, that's when I experienced insomnia. And it was just so sort of just this ex, both scary, but disempowering experience and just mystifying of like, I would just be laying there and why can't I make myself sleep? Why can't mm. I just sleep? Um, and even in the wording, why can't I make myself sleep? You know, it's like, good luck if you're trying to force sleep. Um, so, so it really had me um, get up under this area because when it was at its worst, I went to the doctors in Croatia and left with a prescription for sleeping pills. So, you know, in that moment, as I thought of myself, my identity was really um, hit because I thought of myself as like a healthy, capable person. And how could I not figure out this problem? Uh, so, so it really had me take my obsessive nature and go down the rabbit hole on the areas of chronobiology 
physiology, circadian rhythms and fradian rhythms, and understand more and more that this topic of sleep, um, the management that many of us have had in the 21st century doesn't quite align um, with our, you know, with the results that we're getting for sleep. And so it actually is going to take a whole, for in my case, it was a um, turning my life really upside down in order to kind of heal this area. And then when I reached that homeostasis, not only was it getting back to like, you know, kind of that basic sleep that I had known, but then having optimized sleep. So, you know, quantifiable, really rich sleep that I had certainly never experienced in most of my life before that. So it just became something that it was one of those things like we got to talk about this because how are we not all, um, you know, really tuned into the difference that this can really make and how to gamify it, bring accountability um, and all of those fundamental behavioral change practices to this area. And I mean, while we're on the topic of sleep deprivation, I mean, those rates are at an all time high. So what did you do? What can we do about sleep deprivation to um, combat that? Yeah, great question. So, you know, there's lots of different reports of what the numbers are. Um, you know, it's like one in three Americans don't get enough sleep, you know, certain um, uh, numbers around uh, the total amount of sleep. So right now, the what is purported is around seven to nine hours, aiming to be one of those kind of ideal um, amounts of total sleep for the average adult American. Granted, those numbers are different depending on if you're a teenager, you're in, um, you know, 65 and over range. There's lots of variation around that. But so there's a lot of kind of basic things that are thrown out there and a lot of kind of um, a lack of information around how many people are really dealing with this. And so some of the stats that we have also are just the uh, an explosion of the number of search results of people searching like can't sleep, sleep remedies, sleep help. Um, you know, so you see a kind of background hum because a lot of people might not actually go to, um, you know, like the doctors, like in my case, but they might be kind of silently suffering on this area. Um, so, and you could make the argument that certainly post 2020 and beyond in a world of, um, you know, kind of social distancing and uh, all the kind of this new area that we're approaching or navigating around uh, mental health as it relates to all this levels of uncertainty, there's a lot there for people that has been impacting their sleep. So to answer your question for me about like, what did I do? Um, so one, if you, you know, on my website, I also kind of on my about page kind of make like a almost a joke of the crazy list of things that I first did. So, you know, it's just like, I went, to, did hypnosis. I tried relaxation. I tried supplements. I tried like, you know, just all the laundry list. Um, so I did a lot of things that didn't really, you know, move the needle. Um, but then I also discovered this, you know, kind of a, a number of things that really did make a big difference. Um, so one, you know, just ensuring that we have a bit of a framework to follow. And in this conversation, one of the frameworks that I would um, definitely mention that can make a difference is something known as circadian rhythm entrainment, open any like, chronobiology kind of textbook. Um, this is a framework that can make a difference to help entrain our circadian rhythm. And so as a reminder of that, our circadian rhythm um, operates within a 24 hour um, period of time, a plus or minus about 24 hours. And then as diurnal creatures, we're meant to be active during the day and at rest at night. 
So from that place, uh, you can look at where on the spectrum of circadian rhythm of the circadian rhythm are you? Are you on the weak side of it or on the strong side of it? And I would make the argument that the average person is really on um, the weak side for most of us in you know the 21st century, unless we're actively um, you know looking to interrupt that. So, what does that look like to have a strong circadian rhythm? One. Uh, there's two things that are going to really impact that area specifically. Uh, the first one being light, which is really a fascinating area. And the second one being temperature. So what that means is that if you get nothing out of this conversation, the first thing that I'd want to make sure we underscore is the importance of um, having really a proper light hygiene. So what that looks like is the first, you know, right when you wake up in the morning, setting up your mornings to ensure that you're getting ample, ample amounts of sunlight. Um, and so what that can look like ideally is we're going outside for an extended period of time. So my like, you know, uh, clients that have dogs and they have to go walk the dog, like <laughs> yeah. do wonderfully with this because they know pretty much rain or shine, they're getting out there. Um, and we're looking to have uh, that equal level. So it can look different for different people. Some people do the morning walks. Some people will go outside, meditate. Um, you know, I've also understand that there's different, obviously climates. When I was going through this for myself, I was in New York and, uh, when it was, you know, cold, I actually did return from our travels to literally heal my sleep. It was that bad. Um, so when we got back to New York, I would literally open up the windows because this was like the winter um, and just get my sunlight through that way. Because when sunlight comes through, this, through the windows, it actually shifts the um, some of the key elements that we want. It still will make a big difference if you get those windows, you know, um, you know kind of get the curtains back and get lots of sunlight even through the windows. It still really helped. There's really cool studies looking in hospitals of, you know, patients able to heal faster when they have circadian lighting than when they don't. So that's still going to make a big difference, but the ideal is getting outside. The reason is that there's two parts of this. Our eyes are connected to our suprachiasmatic nucleus, which is our master clock in our brain. So the eyes really act as this um, kind of gatekeeper to that master clock. And what they're doing is constantly kind of surveying, okay, how much light is in the environment? Um, and then based on that, what should we be doing? Like what, what, um, kind of commands should we send out basically from this master clock? So when you get that first um, shot of light, it's known as sunlight anchoring, and that will anchor your day based on, okay, so the minute we got the brightest amount of sunlight, presumably that's the start of the day. So from there, um, that's when the body knows to release cortisol in a healthy um, amount, you know, this is kind of our goal, so that when we have that consistent timeline of we wake up around the same time, we get our sunlight around the same time, that helps cue the body to release that um, cortisol in the morning and suppress melatonin at that point. So for some of us that are tired in the morning, um, you know, we might still be circulating too much melatonin at that point, so that uh, that triggering system of getting that cortisol can make a big difference. And then throughout the day, we're looking to get as much brightness as possible. So that really unequivocally tells the brain this was day. And then the big key, and this is where a lot of us fall flat, is once the sun sets, 
are we really shifting over into very, very dim evenings? So we're really looking to cultivate darkness um, in those times. So different things you can do is blue blockers, not the clear lens ones. Unfortunately, they look much cooler, but um, the ones that have amber or red lenses, mm -hmm. is, um, those will tend to make a difference with, uh, you know, ideally you want to have some lab tested ones, but um, that will cut the blue and green light that's in the environment. Uh, and those are known to make a difference with our melatonin production, but even de deficient, devoid of um, the conversation of the color of light, any sort of bright light in the evening uh, is known to suppress that production of melatonin. Like uh, NASA actually looks at that and has dynamic lighting on their space shuttles to ensure that astronauts get proper sleep up there and that can make a difference with um you know the amount of melatonin that we're producing in the evening so that's that light and darkness and then the other spectra other part of that um, circadian rhythm entrainment is temperature and temperature can really be something that makes a big difference in your sleep quality we're looking every night to lower our temperature our body temperature from about two to three degrees and it might not sound like that much but it is really a lot um, and if we're not kind of doing some of the things that can help support that, then it can be more challenging. So for instance, say we drink alcohol, that tends to raise our body temperature, and then that can make it counterproductive to getting those levels of deep sleep that we might be aiming for. Some of us have our, our ambient temperature, the same temperature all day and all night. And then from that place, there's no delineation between day and night, which in nature, you know, ancestrally, it would have been so clear, you know, it's hot in the day or, you know, warmer in the day and cooler in the night. And we don't necessarily have that because we're such indoor creatures now. Uh, so we want to ensure that we're not necessarily eating late into the night that will also raise body temperature, working out later in the night, actually uh, stressful thoughts, oddly enough, can raise body temperature, which really gives you more responsibility around the, the type of thinking that patterns that you're going into in the evening. Uh, so those are just some of the ways that we can make a difference with our sleep. And there's so many more. So it's a really fascinating area. So there's a lot of sleep gadgets that are out on the market that people typically turn to. I mean, you mentioned the cool, uh, clear uh, blue light blocking glasses that everybody's kind of turning to now. Um, what are some of those that you have found to really work and be worth the money and the investment? And what are some of those that are just maybe fancy marketing? Yeah, so great question. Um, so there's a lot. The sleep tech industry is huge, booming, and purported to even um, increase in future years. So there is a lot to choose from. You can easily drop a lot of money. And so where where does it make the most sense to invest? Um, so a couple things. One. Um, to even have the context of knowing if something's working or not working, we want to have some sort of measurement system. Um, so I really support people getting um, different sleep trackers. So I have just about every client that works with me, we have them wearing at least the Aura Ring. So it's spelled O-U-R-A, no affiliation with the company. They're just great um, as far as, you know, beginning to provide a uh, the ability to see how our behavior impacts our health and our sleep. So they will track um, your body temperature, which is particularly helpful for women because we'll have such variations of that throughout our cycles. Um, you know, if, if we're of menstruating age, but then 
um, for all of us, tracking that body temperature can be helpful uh, no matter uh, where you're at in age or gender. And then respiratory rate can be really insightful. I've had different clients that actually have been able to see that because their respiratory rate was sort of so out of the norm, that it was enough of a reasoning to get tested for sleep apnea. And they did in fact have sleep apnea, um, you know, whether it's mild, moderate, or severe. And, you know, that was one step to really making a difference with their sleep. And again, through the tracking, it will also track things like heart rate, um, and the arc of your heart rate throughout the night. So you can get a good idea of, uh, if, if it took the entire night to like maybe right before you woke up for it to stabilize, um, for your heart rate to stabilize and to get to kind of a lowest point, then what's likely is you're going to be waking up more tired. So in some of the, there's reasons behind why it takes so long often, whether we ate late or we worked out late, um, uh, or, you know, uh, some of the light exposure that we might've had the night before, all those things can impact the uh, timing of that. Also HRV is a super helpful one to see if one, if we're either getting sick um, or if we're stressed out both, uh, both mentally, but also even physically. So if we're working out a lot, if we're seeing that tank, it might really be a good sign to uh, put in some recovery days. And then also it can help you kind of sift out if there are certain things like in your environment. Um, so I've had some people that were able to see, you know, they would go on vacation somewhere and their stats would be markedly improved um, when they're out of their house, the, uh, their environment, and they come back into their house and then their sleep is poor, you know, so then we're able to see, oh, okay, so there's either, you know, kind of issues around poor air quality, mold, um, certain things that we can, you know, help make a difference with there. Um, so at least starting with some sort of sleep tracker can play into that element of what gets measured gets managed. So it definitely suggests that. Um, and then the next thing is, uh, for sure those blue blockers, those, you know, kind of just a really important part in the 21st century of helping to ensure that no matter what light we might be exposed to, uh, that we're at least helping to support that not being too much, you know, impacting our melatonin production too, too much. Um, and then some other ones are things like uh, just some basic uh, kind of lighting in our environment. So there's a spectrum for that. I would actually prefer that people pretty much do like candles in the evening, very, you know, Game of Thrones or something and, <laughs> um, you know, do that in the, in the evening. And then, um, and then just shift over when you actually go to bed, of course, it's total darkness. Um, but then if people are not willing to do that, then there's other variations of that. You can do like Himalayan salt lamps. So kind of like a glowy, you know, pinky hue more, um, you can do full on biohacker and do kind of red lights. Um, and then if you're still not interested in doing more of that, then you could at least do, uh, incandescent bulbs or Edison bulbs uh, and well, they're kind of one and the same, but, um, you know, having those can help ensure that you have warmer quality of light so that it's less of the blue light that's going to suppress. But either way, very, very dim lighting. Um, and then another one that helps make a pretty immediate difference for most people that I see is uh, cooling your bedroom temperature in the night. So the Uller from ChiliPad is really, really helpful for kind of just that immediate gratification of tends to like show up on your sleep stats pretty quickly. 
when you get something like that. So it's kind of a cooling pad that you sleep on and uh, that can help with getting a, achieving those deeper levels of sleep in the evening and kind of having that customization because we weren't really, you know, in the past uh, sleeping on foam and covered up with all these things and really insulated. Uh, it didn't really work like that. So it would have been much cooler for the most part um, ancestrally and certainly more to the ground, um, you know, where it is, where it tends to be cooler. So we want to try to mimic some of that, even if it occurs as more gadgety, if that makes sense. You really do have to consider how our ancestors slept and, you know, really where those issues started to come in um, to really consider what we need to go back to if we are having those issues. Yes, exactly. And I think it can be really helpful for entrepreneurs too. Um, most of my clients are some version of entrepreneurs or have that ability to make their own schedule. Um, and which can be both this blessing and a curse because for so many thousands and thousands and thousands of years, we were tethered to, um, the rhythms of nature. So, you know, we'd wake up with the sun and, you know, with that external temperature, we would only, and from that point, we'd kind have this countdown of knowing that we only had the sun available to us for so many hours. We had to really be productive. It's like the best productivity hack going. Um, so we had, you know, just this like external countdown clock. And then when the sun would set, it was pretty much the end of that work period. Um, you know, cause then maybe there'd be a bonfire later in, uh, in history. And then, you know, so you'd be able to squeeze out a little bit more time, but largely you were still tethered to that rhythm. Now, since Edison, we've been able to shift to a total 24 hour, uh, system. And as entrepreneurs, if we don't get up under creating this, uh, very clear kind of on and off time for ourselves. One, you know, certainly you can experience like the burnout that I did, but even if you don't go to that length, um, you know, just this sense that you're not having that kind of clear off time, which is important for us to be able to kind of wind down adequately before bed and actually experience deep levels of sleep. You know, they've done different studies um, where they've, you know, taken uh, mice, and then they would be able to see if they uh, if they were constantly stressed, and the way they stressed them was just kind of like zapping them throughout the day, um, and then they put them right to sleep, you know, consistently being zapped, and then put them to sleep. That their levels of their sleep quality was impacted because then they were kind of on edge. But even if they continue to do that and zap them throughout the day, but then they still gave them, you know, a little couple hours before bed to kind of decompress, you know, whatever they do, go on hamster wheels or something and, you know, just kind of relax. Um, then the sleep quality improved because at least the brain had a little bit of time um, to not be whatever our equivalent of getting a stressful email or, you know, just kind of going down that proverbial chronic low grade stress that many of us are under. Okay, so Molly, I'm turning a little bit more towards you personally. How do you practice self-care? What are your favorite ways to be selfish? Oh, yeah. So my favorite ways are um, I'm a big fan of contrast therapy. So we find that since, you know, we spoke a fair amount about temperature. Um, so playing with hot and cold temperatures can be really interesting for overall health and well-being, but also in this conversation of sleep. Um, so, but it's also can be really fun to practice those. So things like in the evenings, um, you know, going right into a big, like filling up the tub, um, Epsom salt baths, candles, 
that whole thing, but unequivocally from knowing that that can also be uh, really serving us, you know, even from a psychological perspective, but then even the physiological perspective of, you know, providing that transdermal magnesium, um, and then helping to kind of set us up for the evening to unwind. Uh, another one is using infrared sauna. Um, that's like just such a great immediate way to kind of, okay, this is relaxation time. Um, so that's another one that I really, really love. I also really love, um, those morning walks. So my boyfriend and I, no matter where we are on the planet, um, we'll do those morning walks and they just kind of set up our day really nicely. Um, and then when I can get these in, I'll do the same of, um, bringing in some cold therapy, which might not sound that fun, but actually ends up being weirdly invigorating. Uh, so you're doing a cold plunge or even just kind of, uh, in the mornings, uh, when you want kind of that added kind of like go get the day vibes of, you know, maybe like low key adrenaline of, uh, ending your shower with cold. Um, it can just kind of get you jazzed up for the day. So those are fun ones. Um, and then other ways I like to be selfish, uh, more recently I've actually switched over to a bunch of coffee replacements that have, um, you know, just knowing what we know about caffeine and sleep. Um, so I'm testing to see some of the differences with switching to coffee replacements like, uh, mud water for Sigmatic and, um, uh, Raza and a number of them. And, bringing in different adaptogens and MCT oils and a few different things um, to just kind of help make that like a little fun elixir, you know, ritual in the morning. Um, all those feel really selfish. <laughs> I love that. Awesome. Is there anything you wish that you could be doing more? Mm. Well, right now traveling for sure. Um, <laughs> just uh, in light of the kind of lockdown, um, we haven't been able to travel, obviously, internationally. And then, but at the same time, um, one thing that I think, I think will continue to be um, an area for me as an entrepreneur is continuing to practice that kind of on and off time. And uh, I think even my off times tend to, I'm you know, clearly obsessive personality. So I tend to still be like learning, learning, learning. Um, so, you know, that tends to be like fun for me, but I do think I want to also start exploring some, um, you know, different like genres of like books and kind of less uh, educational based and then you know, chest out some other um, things that are just truly like off times, kind of go into another world type of reading or something along those lines. Yes. What is next for Molly? Uh, yeah. So we have um, online training courses um, at Sleep is a Skill. And so now um, we've been since the beginning of the year bringing uh, a bunch of different cohorts through the um, uh, the sleep reset. And now we're going to be shifting it even uh, more to the focus of sleep optimization. So first the reset is kind of get people, you know, just even reset and like, you know, really heal some of their sleep. But then we also want to have the ability to optimize and go into some of these more nuanced topics. So uh, going to be filming 
more for the for that course uh, shortly, um, basically into the end of this year. And then, so that will be exciting when launching that and ensuring that there's just a whole real clear community for people to uh, experience, to be surrounded by others that are prioritizing this area. Um, you know, the same way we might with people that are really athletic or into nutrition uh, to have that same vibes for sleep and to prioritize this area that, you know, I'm making the argument that it's uh, the most important area to take on in order to really make a difference with our health and well-being, because certainly, you know, you see what happens when um, when we don't get enough sleep. It tends to some of the first things that tend to get cut for many people are going to the gym, making the healthy meal choices, all of those things. So it seems to be a real domino effect. I mean, physiologically, because our hormones get um, all out of whack in that area. So the more we can have people prioritizing this, but have accountability and gamification with that, um, you know, the more I think we can really make a difference there. And I love that we've been able to have this conversation because obviously sleep has been important our entire lives, but now more than ever, this year especially, people have been struggling with their sleep. And so I think this is a good conversation um, to have and really just uh, address what's going on in your own life to see if there's areas of improvement that you can make to to really um, dial it in and improve your sleep and then overall improve your health. So thank you so much for talking with us today, Molly, and sharing your expertise and knowledge. Uh, We really appreciate it. Uh, Well, thank you so much. I appreciate the time. Like what you just heard? Visit us at SelfishThePodcast.com. Subscribe and leave a review on iTunes today.